Attention all business owners. Are you tired of managing your finances and taxes on your own? Let the experts at 1-800-TAX-MASTERS help. Our team of experienced professionals offers a range of services to help you keep your finances in order, from personal and business tax returns to monthly accounting, quarterly, and annual tax planning, and virtual controller and CFO services. With our virtual services, you can get the support you need without ever having to leave your office. Don't let taxes and finances stress you out any longer. Visit www.1800taxmasters.com today and let us handle the numbers so you can focus on growing your business. And welcome to another live episode of Stuck In My Mind. I am your host, W-I-Z-E. I have a very special guest. She's a best-selling author, a, an executive coach, a keynote speaker, and a fellow podcast host. Welcome to the show, Tiana Sanchez. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure uh, to be here. The pleasure's all mine. All right, so let's let's get let's just jump right into it. Let's get to it. <laughs> so, tell me the story about a hot dog and a stick. <laughs> So I had to ask, do you do you all have one where you live? No, we don't. Okay, okay. So I, I do have to tell the story. So hot dog on a stick is it's like um I get have you heard of In and Out? Yes, In and Out. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right. So I look at it's the it's like the hot dog corn dog version of In and Out. So very limited menu. Okay. It keeps it real concise. So we have lemonade, hot dogs on a stick, and corn dogs or and cheese on a stick. Right. So that's that's ultimately the menu. So when I was 16 years old, these were all the rave in malls, right? And so 16 years old, looking for a job, and I go into the mall and I apply, and I get this, this opportunity to work for this company called Hot Dog on a Stick. Now, let me tell you, it may not sound like much to some of your listeners, but let me tell you, this was the spot to be in. If you were a teenager in high school, like everybody wanted to work at this place. It was popular, and it had these really interesting uniforms, so we had to wear like these really big hats and we had shorts and like tank tops and the colors were super bright. Okay. So I started working at this company and early in my career and I actually got promoted, became a manager at 17 years old. So imagine, I don't know what you were doing when you were 17. I wasn't a manager. I, that's for sure. <laughs> exactly. Most of us were not. So managing at 17 years old, and I'm like, mm, do I want to do this? Should I say yes? Should I say no? And I said, you know what? Can I think on it? They lim they gave me a day, thought about it. And I said, you know what? Yep, I'm going to say yes because I didn't want the regret. And so literally seven and a half, almost eight years later, I stayed, ended up staying with that company. And really the catalyst of where I am today, which is an entrepreneur, own owning her own company, working podcasting, as you mentioned, I owe a lot of that to my experience early on working at this company because I learned what it meant to be a woman in leadership. I learned what it meant to be a leader in general and just so many other life lessons that I'm sure we'll be able to dig into. But that is part of my hot dog on a stick story. <laughs> so being being 17 and, and being promoted to a manager, that's like, that's, that's big. That's huge. How, how did you feel like when, when that happened? Like, was it like, oh man, this, would you, did you feel like it was over your head or you like, no, nah, I got this. I'll tell you exactly what it felt like. I felt like I was at the intersection of uncertainty and excitement. Mm. 
So if you've ever been there, you're presented with an opportunity, you've never been there before, it's completely unfamiliar, but you're excited about the opportunity, the possibility, but you're also uncertain because, because you've never done it. So for me, that it was at that intersection and it was like, do I make a left? Do I make a right? Where do I go? And that's why I needed a day to think about it. But it was the it was the regret. I didn't want to live with the what ifs, right? Yeah. The what if I could have said that? What if I, you know, became this great manager and went on to do whatever? And I it was that hands down that made the decision for me. And so I was inexperienced, 17 years old. I was a senior in high school, had about four months left to graduation, and literally overnight was responsible for hiring. Firing, scheduling, budgeting, forecasting, all of those lovely things that go along with management. And I was absolutely clueless. And so, which is why I'm so passionate about management and leadership now, because I remember what it was like being in that place. And so I do think that we prematurely promote managers today in positions when they are not ready. And I think we promote them not based on skill, but because of seniority. And because maybe they've demonstrated a skill in a non-managerial position. And so we give them, you know, a, a title upgrade. But yeah, for me, it was that intersection of uncertainty and excitement. Okay. All right. Um, so what, what challenges did you face as a, a business consultant and coach? Well, I think early on, one of the first challenges was you got to get clients. You know, you, you're starting a business, you're trying to brand yourself, you're trying to figure it all out. You're trying to make a name for yourself. Coaching is a very competitive business, right? Because you, you can name every coach under the sun. I'm sure you can, right? Yeah. You know, you got an athletic coach, you got a life coach, you got a health coach, you got a this and that coach. Like it is an oversaturated market. And it's it's one of the few that are not really... Um, I don't want to say scrutinized, but there's no certification or, or degree really that you need to, to get yeah. that's required. Companies have them, but they're not required in order for you to get this title of coach, right? So one of the early challenges, again, was just not having that credibility early on. So I finished high school, went on to a college, a community college for about a year, two years, but I dropped out. I didn't finish my college, so I never acquired a degree. So I'm here I am, no degree, no business acumen, and I worked regular nine-to-five job until about 13 years ago, 12 years ago. And I said, hey, well, I don't want to work for anybody else anymore. I'm going to start my own business. But I should qualify that statement by saying I was fired. I was laid off. And so it was another crisis, which was the financial crisis, which yeah. – I'll leave that left alone because we're seeing a little bit of that right now, but those, those financial institutions will remain nameless. Um, but that was on the heels of that. And I said, okay, well, what do I want to do? And then I decided to, to work for myself. So not having a degree, not having business acumen, trying to get clients early on. So I looked into my network. So, you know, who do I know who's in front of me, who I can start talking to about what I do, reinventing myself and saying, Hey, can you hire me? The beautiful stories, and it'll circle back to Hot Dog on a Stick, is when I first started my own business, one of my very first clients was Hot Dog on a Stick. And so you never burn bridges. You always maintain relationships because you just never know where they will lead you. And that relationship led me back to them and actually becoming um, them being one of my first real clients. So being a woman of color presents its challenges as well, because oftentimes you're 
your expertise is questioned. Oftentimes you're not quite as, as valued in some of those um, environments. And I work in the corporate space. So you see that there as being a challenge, but I look as I, I look at optical uh, obstacles, excuse me, as opportunities. And so I don't let them hold me back. I just learn how to navigate through them. Awesome. Awesome. <clears throat> All right. So like I said, you're a best-selling author. What inspired you to write your books? Well, the two books that I've written, one yeah. of them is called Undefeatable, Conquering mm -hmm. Self-Defeat. I, I like the second title. <laughs> you, I know. You know what? Everybody loves the second title. So I'm, I'm going to let them wait so before we say it. All right. But Undefeatable was the first book. And it was interesting because I was kickboxer. And so on the first original cover, I had boxing gloves. And I had been kickboxing for a little while. And it was really about my that time that I just shared with you that I went through a layoff, mm -hmm. starting my business getting my first client, almost, you know, going into foreclosure, getting my next client. It was this whole journey about how not to get defeated by your circumstances. So I talk a lot about that in the book. The second book, which is your favorite title, it's called Effed Up, The Upside of Failure. And it's a, it's a kind of a spinoff from that first book because I talk about defeat, but also talk about failures, wins, and losses. And so I said, I really want to follow up on those failures because I said, you know, that's taboo. A lot of people don't like talking about failures. We shy away from it. We want people to, we want to pretend like we never have any and everything's all good and gravy. And I said, no, I really want to dedicate a book to this and what it's meant for me. And then on top of it, I said, you know what, wouldn't it be great if I got like the younger generation involved and really help them see how they can leverage their failures? Because at the time, I think social media, you know, it was, I mean, it still is what it is today, but it was really popular. And I feel like kids were coming out of school and like, ooh, I should be getting six figures and ooh, I should just get out of, of, of my degree and start heading into these really great jobs. Like, no, you got to work your way up. And guess what? You might get some rejection on your way up. And so I decided at the time to, to collab with my then 17 year old son. And he wrote a chapter in the book. And so I wanted to get his perspective. He was a high school um, athlete, student athlete, played um, basketball and varsity for his local high school. And I wanted to weave that experience in to the book to give a different perspective for young adults. And so that, you know, that experience, I think that book has helped a lot of young folks. But interestingly enough, it was a really bestseller for a lot of people in corporate. It wasn't necessarily written with corporate folks in mind, but it became in 2016, like one of our top books. Wow. Awesome. So, yeah. So your son wrote a book, wow, wrote a chapter in the book. That's, that's dope, man. That's really good. Like that's, I'm sure that, that really has, had that inspired him to write his own books or. Well, I hoped it would, honestly, because yeah. I said, mommy, mommy's a strategy, right? I'm, I'm trying to think. I'm like, yeah. I know what I'm doing by having you write this, right? I'm like, oh, you're going to be an author by when you're 17 in high school. Like, I'm thinking, oh, that's going to be good. And I had hope that it would spark a little bit of some, you know, creativity and, you know, but he didn't have to, he didn't, does not have to run in my, you know, footsteps or in my yeah. shoes. And so um, he didn't take the, the writing route, but he is an audio engineer. He loves music and producing. So he, he has taken that route. But he's still at the end of the day is a best-selling author, so that's on print, and his name is in the book. That's that's all that matters. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. So one of the reasons I go live is because I, I I I love the audience interaction and stuff like that, and I have people come through and 
and I have a good friend of mine, Ryan McCarthy, another fellow podcaster. He goes off. C.S. Lewis wrote, failures, repeated failures are finger posts on the road to achievement. One fails forward towards success. I love that. Uh, that reminds me of another quote that says failure is only failure if you fail to learn from it. And I yeah. think we don't always look at those failures, those missed opportunities, those mistakes, those stumbles as a forward movement as a, as a way to get us to where we want to go as a step up, which is why I say, let's fail up. You can fail down, you know, but if you fail up, you ask yourself questions instead of saying, why me? You say, what's next? And so you take that victim language away. You should still explore why you failed, right? There is great greatness with questioning, right? What happened? What could I have done differently? Where did I miss the mark? Did what resources yeah. did? Yeah, exactly. Where did I go wrong? And so with questioning, but you do shift that language instead of saying, well, why me? Why did this, why did this have to happen to me? Why is, why am I the one going through this? And we could get stuck there and that's where the defeat, we can get stuck there. But if we move and shift from, I, there's a time for reflection, but then we move on. Okay, boom. Now what's next? What do I need to do now? That just keeps you on that trajectory and that path forward. So, no, I great comment. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> no, and and that's one of it's it's crazy because I had a um a guest on during the summer last year, and um one of her things was she commended me because I was doing live video, and she was like, uh, "I'm just not, I'm just not ready to do video. I'm gonna I'm waiting till it's the time is perfect till I get, till I'm good at it." And my thing was, um, no, you're, you're, that you're failing already because if you're waiting for perfect, it's never going to happen. That's right. It, you you have to do it in order for you to fail and see where you messed up at and correct the, correct the issues. You're not going to learn anything by just waiting for it to be perfect because, again, you're going to be waiting a long time. And so she, it That's made right. sense. Now she's doing videos, and it, it was it was just great to have that conversation and see and she see that you can't wait for it you you can't wait to like my nephew when i first started he and i did my first episode he was like nah we can't release it we can't release it we gotta wait till we we get good at it i was like nah i want people to see the progress i want them to see where i started from where my quality to my audio to everything and i just wanted the people the people to see that Hey, you can start off with a, 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 a cheap mic, a little mixer. Yeah. I paid $160 for it, for, for this little podcast studio from Amazon. And that's what I started with. But then when I really started getting into it, I started investing in myself. I started investing in better equipment, investing in a better camera, because I knew that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to make sure my quality of my show improved with me yep and so if you don't go out and try how do you know if you're good at it like well that's you are vulnerable it. too yeah, I, I didn't showing know that. folks yep I, that's why i named this stuck in my mind podcast because for a while i kept deleting recording deleting recording because i was just like i'm like i was like who's gonna want to listen to me why would i want to put it out and so when i finally decided like you know what no i'm gonna release it and this is what it's gonna this is what it is and that's it and if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be doing, being, wouldn't be where I'm at now, getting, talking to you, talking to so many, many different people. And it's helped me grow as a person. 
It's helped me develop because of all the conversations I've had, all the people I've been able to learn from. And, and it started with me finally deciding that, let me just take this risk. Let me do it. Let me not be afraid. Let me just put it out there, put and myself you, out there. You mentioned three things just in that span of time that I thought was great. The risk, the fear, and you were vulnerable. And mm-hmm. those three things often we have issue with, with those three things. Yeah. Number one, being vulnerable, like showing people the behind the scenes, right? Yep. You know, what's going on behind the scenes, the, the, the mistakes, like I said, the mess ups, the stuff that didn't go great and didn't go well. Um, you know, and I think when we see people, you know, again, celebrities, athletes, whoever, anyone that's out in a public figure and we see them doing great. I always say we see the after, we don't see the before. before. We don't ever get to see the before when they got rejected from on the 20 auditions they went in the, you know, the five teams that traded them, you know, whatever it is, we don't always get to see that. We see the after and we're like, Ooh, they just showed up. They, you know, they, they jamming, they the bomb, but we don't see the other part of it. And that is, I think, twisted our thinking and how we should experience this. And again, that vulnerability that you described is really that it's like, no, I'm working my way through this process. I want you to see this is the real deal. This is how it's done. And it's okay. You mentioned fear, like being afraid. I think that's another thing in the book, both books, actually, I talked about four types of fear that we may encounter, you know, the fear of failure being one, the fear of, you know, more responsibility, the fear of uncertainty, you know, that in and of itself. And I talk about that intersection of uncertainty and excitement. And so there are fears that oftentimes, again, hinder us. But then you mentioned that other area, which was risk. You know, you talk about taking a risk. So the fear may be there. And sometimes we do it afraid. And sometimes we have to, you know, challenge that fear. Is this fact or is this a feeling, you know, in this fear? Is it, you know, like if I go to the zoo and I see a tiger <laughs> and, you know, and I'm up close or a lion or something like there's a fear. I, I respect that animal and would not go up and try to, you know, pet that kind of animal, right? There is a respect and a fear that it's fact-based, right? That if I go near them, they're predatory, I might get hurt. It's not just a feeling that's telling me you should be afraid of launching your business because you're going to fail. Well, that's a feeling. You don't know that to be true. Will you experience failures? Probably, but you it doesn't mean you are a failure. So those things that you just described and looking at risk, low risk, high risk, medium risk, vulnerability, and fear often play out when, you know, with, with folks as they're starting their business, become an entrepreneur or what have you. So you're in a, you're a great example for what I'm talking about. <laughs> Sorry, but I got a little, I got a little guest here. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Uh, my grandson decided to come into the studio. Please. <laughs> we like guests. How old is yeah. your grandson? Uh, he's two. Two years old. Say hi. Hi. Hi there. Well, I saw a cool one. Now, what's on his shirt? It looked like he had something cool on his shirt. What's that? Uh, Toy Story. He actually has. Oh, Toy Story. Yes. (laughs) Thank you for showing up just for me. Oh no, he's uh, he shows up. Uh, oh, he shows up. Oh, darn! I thought I was special. No, no, he's he's the first time he's on my show. This is the first okay. time he's on on, on Stuck Mama. But uh, I do uh, talks uh, sports talk radio show with some friends, and he, he's a frequent guest. <laughs> gotcha. A ball, yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. So, um, my next question is going to be um, 
Okay, yes, Bobby, hold on. <laughs> so what uh what can uh business business owners do? What kind of okay. Hold on, Bobby. Go ahead, go ahead, go, 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 go. Yeah, no. No, that's no, no. Go, no, I'm not giving you that. Here, here, you gonna go out? No, I can't give you that. Go. All right, so how can business owners uh, develop a resilience to face the challenge and obstacles that they, they're gonna they're gonna um face? Well, if you're a new business owner, right? You, so you do different types of business owners. You got a new business owner. You got a business owner that's growing their business. You got someone who's kind of really mature, maybe looking to scale their business. So, you know, as a new business owner, you have to come to the realization of what you don't know and find people who know that. You have to surround your people that that don't do what you do. Um, or do what you do, do it better because you are wearing a lot of hats in the early stages of your business, of your startup. And you need to start delegating that you need to get yourself a team. And that could be one person could be your team for a long time. Um, but you need to make sure that you to really be a business owner and not just have a hobby, but actually have a business. You need to start building a team, surround yourself with people that can fill in the gaps of where you can't do the work or you don't want to do the work or you're not skilled at that so that you can do the thing that you are skilled at and you can focus on that. So for my startups out there, that's one great, I think, piece of advice and just overcoming some of the early challenges. You don't have to do it all yourself. And here's the, the honest to goodness truth. You will not do it yourself. No one who's ever gotten anywhere in life, success or otherwise, has done it on their own. So if they've said they've done it, they're not being honest. <laughs> so <laughs> no one has gotten anywhere by themselves. Okay. No, if no you're a mature haven't. business and you, you're seeing some growth, which is kind of where my business has been, right? So we've grown tremendously over the last couple of years, knowing when to evolve your business. So right now you may have core product offerings that you provide your clients, right? Are those product offerings sustainable for the long run, for the future, right? Or do you need to evolve and consider maybe a new market space that you may need to enter, perhaps a new industry, perhaps revamping some of your products? For example, the greatest example is going through the pandemic. We all shifted, right, from in-person to virtual. So if I am delivering a product or service, I would have had to adjust and evolve to meet the needs of my clients in an non-live setting in a remote virtual setting, right? A lot of us had okay. to do that anyway. Yeah. That's just one example. But you think of technology, you think of AI, you think of the metaverse, you think of all these things. How is that impacting the services that you provide, right? So again, if you're a growing business, you may want to look at how is my, my products and services sustainable? Do they need to evolve? And if you're a business that's scaling, and I'm honestly not there yet because I don't know if I'm ready to scale, if I want to scale. It's just kind of those things that's been in my head for years. But, you know, so I say this with all love and, and what I would like to do if, when I do scale um, is look at for number one, I want to look at if I want to leave a legacy, if I want to, you know, keep the business in house and determine what that looks like for, you know, my family and things like that. But also globally, I think we need to look at a global reach and how we might be able to partner and align with companies outside of, you know, I'm speaking in the United States that might be able to um, utilize our services and things like that. I think it's important for you to do your research if you do decide to scale or you're looking for an exit strategy. Hey, I'm looking for someone to buy my company. Do your research. Make sure their core values and missions align with yours. Sometimes I was just listening to another great podcast show and they were interviewing this business owner. And he's like, 
yeah, sometimes when companies buy another company, they lose the soul of that company. And that really stood out to me. And so you want to be careful because it is your name, you're part of your legacy, who's buying your company. So some of the obstacles, I think, again, just thinking about off the top of my head and never get complacent because another pandemic could be just right around the corner, another chaotic event. And the question is, are you ready? Uh, and and it's and it's crazy because I, I launched my podcast during the pandemic, and one of the things me and my nephew we took we spoke about was if you didn't take this time during the pandemic to learn something and grow and develop yourself, then it was a waste. It was like, you, what, what did you do? And I, I got furloughed from my job. I was I was out of work for a few months. I was getting paid extra money, and. What I did, what I take, people went and spent that money on clothes, on nonsense. And what I did was I invested in myself. I invested in courses. I invested in Mike. You see the, the equipment that I'm using. I took that and 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 felt like I need to grow and learn and develop. And so I just took as many courses as possible, and and I was just learning. I started connecting, networking with people. Started. Uh, getting coaches, mentors, people to help me out develop and grow. And so that's, that's how, that's how I've been since 2020 It's just been built, just been building, growing, networking, developing. Again, everyone should get a mentor or coach, someone who knows what knows what you want to do. Like if they good at what you want to do, you should, you should actually, Get a coach, find someone that knows what you want to get involved in, what you're doing, and that they're good at it. And what is that called? That's that's help. That's a yeah. resource. Like I said, nobody gets anywhere without some well, help. help. So that mentor you have, that coach you have, that whoever, that pastor you talk to, your professor you go see every once in a while, you know, and you asking them for oh, advice, yeah. that is still help. That is support. So absolutely what you said is great. No wasted space for you. So what, what approach do you take when coaching and, and developing leaders? Well, I love to take the developmental um, approach and I'll explain what that is. So there's different coaches out there. We talked about that already. It's a saturated market when you're dealing with any kind of coach, um, you know, in, in different types of industries, but on the corporate side, it's even more saturated, I think. And so there's a couple of different types of coaches, I think. There's one coach that says, I'm going to work with you because you're experiencing problems. So usually what happens, someone reaches out, HR, CEO reaches out and say, hey, we need a coach for so-and-so, for this manager over here, because they're having problems within their department. You know, they're having issues, conflict, there's trust issues and so forth. And so, hey, we need to get them some help. So that kind of approach is more what I call remedial. So there's an already existing problem. It's a reaction to something that already exists. Okay. The approach that I prefer to take is what I call developmental. So it's not remedial, it's developmental, which means there is a CEO or HR that says, hey, we want to promote so-and-so, or we just recently promoted so-and-so, this new manager. And while we promoted them, we want to make sure we set them up for success. So, hey, we're going to couple them with a leadership coach or with an executive coach to make sure we've given them support right off the bat. So it's more proactive as opposed to reactive. Okay. So when I do that, I'm usually um, called in, I meet with them initially. We even have what we call chemistry calls. And so 
part of coaching is all about the chemistry. And so I will have a set of my approved coaches that work with on, on my team. And I say, okay, the client, I'll say, pick the person that resonates with you. I'll give them a bio. Who do you want to meet with? And so we'll set up what we call chemistry calls. They'll meet with one, two, three people. And then from there, they'll decide, okay, I like so-and-so. I like, you know, coach B. And I'd like to, you know, have a one-off call on them again. I'd like for them to be my coach or something. So the chemistry is a really big part of it. I remember once, wise, I had a woman that I was coaching and her company had picked her for me. She had no involvement in the coach in selecting me whatsoever. So in our first face-to-face meeting, before COVID, we met and, you know, I'm getting to know her, asking questions like I would normally do. And I would never forget because she flat out told me, she was like, well, I don't really trust this process because I didn't pick you. And I had nothing to do with selecting my own coach. And I just, I just don't really agree with how this was done. So she was, she was not holding back. She clearly told me how she felt. And it really got me thinking how important it is to involve the person in that process. Later in the conversation, though, we found some common ground, and it was through that common ground that she was open to receiving the coaching. We actually worked together for about six months, and then after the coaching was done, we actually still stayed in contact. But it made me realize having those pre-calls are so important. So we do that in the very beginning, and then what we do next is we do an assessment. So I work with, there's a lot of assessments out there. I love those that are reliable and valid, so there's one in particular that we use. And we put the the client through the assessment because it helps give us insight and intel on how they work. The one that I use, why is it? It looks at behavioral traits. It looks at their thinking style and their occupational interests. And so it gives me insight. So if I want to know if you're the kind of person that um, prefers more independence, like you like to work autonomously. Well, it will tell me that if I want to know if you're like a sociable person, like introvert, extrovert. Okay. It's going to tell me that it tells me how decisive you are, how you make decisions. If you are manageable, you know, so it gives me all of this information, right? So then as a coach, I take it and then I customize and I can tailor my, my coaching style to meet your needs. And then third thing we do is create goals. And so I usually have one to no more than three goals, especially if it's a six-month um, coaching assignment. And then we work those coaching goals or those goals become the basis of our coaching throughout that time. And so then I come to the to the, to the the sessions with them and we go over those goals and we talk through some of those things. I introduce different frameworks, different methodologies, different leadership styles. And that essentially is, is what we do. And then we have a post-follow-up, post-coaching evaluation. We talk them through what did you learn, what was most beneficial. And then I meet with their supervisor so that they can continue the process. It just doesn't stop with me. It doesn't stop with me even when they're coaching. Their supervisor still has to be involved in the process. So it's yeah. a full-blown program. And our program is called Milestones Coaching Program. And we've been doing it successfully for, I would say, probably about six or seven years now. So what 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 would you be what would you um what kind of advice would you give someone who's interested in going into coaching? It's something that they're really passionate about and they really want to get into. What what would you what kind of advice would you give them? Be open to feedback. Be open to feedback. Be open to trying new things, even if you think they're not going to work. And get comfortable with. You might make, again, the whole mistakes. You might try something new and it may not go the way that you want it to go. 
and you have to be willing to continue to try it. One of the biggest things and I actually turned down clients for this is if they're not coachable. And it's a kind of a phrase that us coaches will use. Are you coachable? Meaning, can you receive feedback? Can you receive guidance? Are you willing to try something new? Um, are you going to be resistant to the feedback or trying something new? Because if you are, then this is not for you. Coaching yeah. really is not for that person who is stuck in their ways or makes the statement. If you've ever had somebody say, oh, I just I'm just like this. This is just who I am. Right. To me, no, that's who you're choosing to be. Mm -hmm. Because all of us have the capability to change, to adjust, to amend our behavior in some capacity, right? So I find the people that take that stance to say, oh, I just am who I am. You just got to adjust to me. You just got to get used to that's my style. That's how I manage. That's how I lead. And, you know, there's people that seasoned, right, that's been in management a long time, right, that say that, oh, no, you're choosing to, to do that. And so they would have to really be receptive to feedback because if not, then it's not going to be for them. It's just not, it's not going to work. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's crazy because when all right, so before I started my videos, my live live, I started pre-recorded and before that I was just strictly audio. So, um, but I was already using StreamYard and I had a, a couple on that their uh, marketing specialists coaches and all that and they go oh so uh you don't use you don't do video i'm like no nah, no i'm not ready i'm just not doing it yes yet and then they go um so you you don't do video and i'm like no not yet no and then the third time he goes so you don't i go yes i do video now and he says see, see, see i love that he says you're coachable you you you're willing to and but I knew why he was doing it because it made sense. It, it was like I wasn't doing the lot the vi I'm like I'm already using StreamYard to sit down and interview the people. I might as well just record the video because I was just strictly recording the audio to my broadcaster and then just uploading the 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 audio. But then it made sense. It's like no, you need the video. You said I needed to start recording video, and so that that led me into going into into video. So I started with pre-recorded. And then last year I decided to go live because I started, like I said, I was doing, I'm doing a, a show with some friends, uh sports talk rate morning show. Shout out to snowman in the morning with Cole Johnson and um, the audience interaction. I love it. I love yeah. the audience. I love to be, to have people like, again, Ryan McCarthy yeah. comes through and he drops a comment. We all have fear of uncertainty until we start learning into the, mm. into the uncertain. then the uncertainty becomes familiar and the fear goes away. And that's absolutely Ooh, I love that's that, true. Ryan. That's yeah. true. It is true. It is like I was scared of doing my podcast. I didn't know it was just like, oh man, I made up all the excuses in the world. And then for me to go, you know what? Let me do this. And once I started doing it, my first episode was five minutes long, five minutes long. Second one was seven minutes. Third one went up to 10 minutes. The fourth one went up to 15. To the point where now I'm I'm doing I <laughs> I've done three hour shows. Wow. And, and it's it's because it um like I said, it was me being afraid. And once I kicked that fear in the face and was like, you know what? It's it's not this is it's just me putting myself out there, it's me making myself yeah. uncomfortable. And that's what a lot of the things that I've realized within the past few years is 
I need to make myself uncomfortable. Mm. I can't get complacent. I have to make myself uncomfortable if I want to keep going for further than what I am now. Oh, absolutely. There's, I was telling a friend, cause I was like, we need to go to the spa. I was telling her, we got to go to the spa. And I don't know if you, when you go for women to the spa, some of the locations have this, the hot tub, and then they have the cold ice, like freezing ice bath tub. and you yeah. ice tub, right? Without the ice, but it's still cold. And so I was like, have you ever been? I asked her just yesterday. And she's like, no, I said, okay, next time we go, we're going. And I was like, you're doing it. And I remember the first time I did it, I was like, I can't do this. I am not doing this. And you, you, soon as you get it, you're like, it is so cold. It's so uncomfortable, but you sit there. Right. And you know what I'm about to say after a few, like maybe a minute or maybe like 30 seconds, your body starts to adjust and you don't, it doesn't feel as cold. So you're not as comfortable. But the part is just like it's, you're you're stuck in it. You stick with it. You don't just give up at the little the first moment of uncomfortability. Right. Yeah. And so you have to. And I hear this phrase all the time. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. But we got to teach people how to how to stay in that space, how to be uncomfortable. So for me, it might be, you know, getting on an airplane every couple of weeks, every month, because I'm not a fan of flying, but I do it. <laughs> it <laughs> might be getting in that ice cold bathtub or taking a cold shower every once in a while because it's doing something healthy for my body. It might be getting up at 6 a.m. and running three miles. I don't want to do it. I don't feel like it. I'm still sleepy, but I'm going to do it because I know there's a value and there's a benefit. So I think that phrase is okay, but we got to tell people what that means and what that looks like for them. What does that get comfortable with getting uncomfortable mean? You know, I'm a girl from, grew up in a, you know, lower, not even middle-class family with three, you know, two other siblings in Los Angeles, no degree. Who thought I was going to be, you know, writing a book and owning a business that is doing well and podcasting and all of these other things. And so, but it was sticking with the process. It wasn't giving yeah. up. It wasn't giving in. It was being uncomfortable at times, being in spaces where people are like, oh, where'd you graduate? Oh, I didn't. You know, <laughs> oh. he was like, well, we talking about the school of life. I graduated from the school of life yeah, now. Hard knocks, I have a degree in that. Yeah. Hard knock. Exactly. Yeah. I have a degree and in that. So it's learning how to navigate that. And it looks differently for everybody, but you got to find those spaces where you're uncomfortable and you have to go toward the uncomfortability and not away from it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the trick. And just like you, I'm I'm from one of the worst parts in Brooklyn, New York. Um, where I was raised, that was was one. It was uh, East New York, Brooklyn, and it was uh, the the thing about it though. It 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 was a rough neighborhood, and if if you made it out of there, it, it was great. There's still people out that still have family over there and everything, but it was. You was either going to jail or you was going to end up in the morgue. Mm -hmm. Not not many people are successful from where we come from. That's, and so, especially during the time I grew up, I grew up during the crack era. So it was mm -hmm. like, it was crazy. It was, it was a wild, wild west where I was at. And to me, for me to get out of there without going to jail, so... Um, I, I have some college experience, but like you, I dropped out. It wasn't mm -hmm. for me. And, and, but look where I'm at now. I have a highly rated podcast. I, I have a production company that that's growing, that's picking up some space, some momentum. And 
I've decided to go into coaching because it's something I love to do is to be able to help people. And doing the show has built up my confidence to the where I feel like, and I've had people comment. I've had guests comment say, Yo, why don't you go into coaching? Why don't you, you, you will make it, you have the patience and the, and the thing to be a good teacher. And, and it kind of hit me. I was like, yeah, I, I do. I, I, I enjoy helping people. I love having great conversations with people. And so it's just, this has made help build up my confidence to the point where I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm I'm going to mm-hmm. take that step. I'm going to, I'm going to make myself uncomfortable again and do something that mm-hmm. I have no experience in, but I feel I can do it. Yeah. No, that's great. Congratulations to you too, by the way, on your Thank production you. company and everything. That's awesome. And it, it's, it's, it's because once I started my podcast and I started everything, I've learned so much by myself. Like I, I didn't know anyone who had a podcast. And so I did all the research. I learned what, what programs I needed, what software I needed, everything. You start with audacity first, like oh, I yeah. did. I, I still use audacity. <laughs> okay. I still use audacity. That's not. Yeah, it's good. Oh, they've made some great upgrades to it. Okay. <laughs> Listen, uh, free I can do, but then I I, I use this tools of course that I use that I pay for. But audacity, I, I recommend audacity to anybody who's starting out. Mm-hmm. Anybody who, who I speak to, and like, oh, what do you do to edit in audacity? Especially your audio, it's free. First of all, it's free. And it does what you need it to do. You know, if you if you're just going if you just want to clean it up a little, it's a great tool to use. Mm-hmm. So I I try to help people as much as possible when it when it comes to whoever's starting a podcast because I know what I went through starting out being an independent podcast and not not knowing what not knowing about SEOs, not knowing about descriptions, not putting a thumbnail. I was just uploading. Mm-hmm. I was just upload. I, eventually, I started putting titles to the episodes, but it was just me uploading content. And so, once I started looking at other podcasters, looking at what they were doing and all that, I was like, "Oh, that's what I need to do." Okay, so I started putting. I went back old episodes, put put titles to them, put thumbnails to them, and that just started building it up. That's because I, I remember when I first started, I couldn't get anybody on the show. Because the first question out their mouth was, "How big is your audience?" Yeah, I'm like, "Yo, I'm just starting out. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything. I'm just, I'm green." Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Oh yeah, cool. come back to me when you when you got when you got some numbers, right?" And but it, I kept asking people. I started making connections, networking with people, started getting guests on, and then that's when people started going, "Oh, he's got a pretty good show. Let me uh, reach out to him." And I had start started getting people reaching out. Hey, I want to be a guest on your show like okay i'm doing something right if if now i have people wanting to be on the show mm-hmm. compared to when i first started and no one wanted to, yeah no no thank right. you not interested so it, it, it i'm i'm well I'm, and I'm what you go ahead, go ahead. what you do is people need to know that there's like there's a lot of people that would ask you know how do you write a book? Like what was, what was one of the things you did about writing a book or, or, you know, having a podcast or what did, how did, what did you get started? And so it's taking what you already know and what you do. And now you're monetizing it. You're helping others, whether you're coaching others and you're turning that into a service, another service that you provide yes. because people will pay for that knowledge because they want, they don't, I mean, why do they have to start from scratch if someone's already done the work and they can kind of help them 
you know, accelerate it and kind of fast forward and kind of get through some of the rough spots, you know, with what you're doing. So um, I'm excited that you're starting this new venture yeah. into coaching and helping other pilots. So now I know who to, where to send people who, who asked me, how did you get started? And I was like, well, I have a great <laughs> referral for you. Someone who can walk you through and coach you how to do it. Oh yeah. I'm, uh, it's, and, but that's how, that's how it works. That's how it happens. What you, you have to let people know what you're doing. You have, they have to see what, and so I had like, at first, yeah, I was kind of nervous and I'm like, oh man, how am I going to do this? But then I'm like, man, I got this. I'm like, it, it's, I've put a lot of work into it. I've done the research. I've made the connections. I know the steps that I need to do to make, to build a successful podcast. Mm -hmm. And why not be, why not? monetize that like everybody wants to monetize their podcast by getting sponsors and getting all these ad revenues and all that um, i've learned how to monetize myself mm -hmm. like i i've 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 edited podcasts for other people i've done thumbnails i've done logos that's another thing i've got into was graphic design i wasn't a graphic designer before i started doing this but mm -hmm. i started using canvas started experimenting started getting good at it started making logos you're using skills or you as as you acquire new skills, which is a lot of what people have to do today, whether you're an entrepreneur, business owner or working professional, you're acquiring new skills as your business is growing and evolving and even matching those skills to where we are today. Right. So we yeah. have to be thinking future, like what are the skills that I'm going to need in five, 10 years from now that's going to set me apart from other people so that I have this edge on everyone else that just going to differentiate me from someone else. And so what you're bringing up is actually how you've upskilled and maybe at the beginning, you said you took a lot of classes during COVID, you took courses, you educated yourself, which helps you launch this podcast now in another season, maybe it's time. Hey, what other classes do I need now as I'm going to be evolving in this new um, era this new service or this new product mm -hmm. or hey we're again metaverse and you know we're thinking all these different things so maybe there's some additional learning never stops no growing never stops it i always consider myself to be a lifetime learner a life learner if you ever get to the place where you feel like you've learned everything that you can learn that you like i'm good like i don't need anything else then you're you have stopped contributing to the greater good and I don't think any of us ever want to feel that way. And so always find something that you can do to continue your learning and grow and growing as an individual, you know, outside of your business, but just as a person. So I have a question for you. Someone, uh, Lloyd Phillips, would like to know, well, he would actually like to know more about TSI. Yes. So TSI is Tiana Sanchez International. We are an organizational training and development firm here in Southern California. And uh, we provide a whole host of, of services, including um, um, employee engagement surveys. We do individual assessments, as I mentioned, part of our coaching program. We provide coaching through our coaching program called Milestones. Um, and then we also do leadership training and development. So I told you very passionately, I am wanting to help those managers, those mid-level managers, because the reality is eight out of 10 managers are miscast. And when I say miscast, that means they are in the wrong positions. And when you think about it, that's a lot of people, that's 80% of managers, right? And so when that happens, there's a lot of implications, cost implications, turnover, attrition, 
you know, morale, productivity. And so you're not just going to go in and say, well, we're going to fire all of our managers. You're not going to do that. And I hope you don't do that. That's not what I'm telling you to do. But I'm telling you to reskill them. You may need to reskill them, to retrain them so that you can retain your employee and your workforce. And so we provide the resources, the education, the strategy, the assessments to help companies do that. So usually my best contact into an organization is through their HR department, their chief HR officer, their VP of HR, someone in that capacity, or chief people officer. Um, sometimes if they're a smaller company, it's their CEO. It might be someone in the C-suite, their COO, their CEO. And that's usually who, who contacts me. Lately, we've been doing work with local government. So it has been city managers, deputy city managers that um, have reached out to us. So that is essentially some of the work that we do. Awesome. That's, that's, that's great. It, it's like, like you were talking about earlier. I, I know it doing this, being a woman is hard, but not, but like you said, being a woman of color, you face a whole completely different set of obstacles. It's, it, it's, it's hard already doing it as a woman, but again, like being a woman of color is not easy. It's people are going to question your skills. People are going to question your talents. And, and from what, just from this conversation, I see you be putting them in their places. You be like, you be showing them like, yo, I know what I'm talking about. Right. <laughs> and I, I, you know, my mom would say I was talking since before I came out of the womb. And I, and my grandmother would say I was um, sassy, probably um, a little stubborn, stubborn, or maybe this term you've heard of Henri. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's a little Southern term, but I've always had this little, this, I think this, um, fierceness, this kind of outspokenness, I think is what it is. And even to the point where my, um, my Instagram handle is like a real boss. So my podcast is like a real boss, but my handle is like a real boss lady. So I, I, I would consider myself to be very assertive, but even that assertiveness has been mistaken for aggressiveness. That assertiveness has been mistaken for intimidation. I had a gentleman tell me once in a meeting and I was bringing an issue to the table and shared with him my concerns and articulated very, very clearly, I thought, in very calm tone. And he turned around and said, you know what, Tiana, you know, you're very articulate um, and, you know, but you're intimidating. And this was two years ago, maybe two, maybe three. Um, so it wasn't that long ago. And I and of course, you know, this is again, when you think about our reaction and response to things like that. I just, you know, I said back to him, I said, well, I said, okay, well, can you give me an example of what I said or what I did that was intimidating? And he didn't have anything. He didn't have anything whatsoever. And he just simply said, oh, 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 oh well, not, well, not to me, but, you know, to others. And, you know, people make those kind of blanket statements to others. I use, I'm like, okay, well, you're deflecting. So either you don't, you're not being honest or you, you were caught off guard by my comment and you're just making stuff up. So you know, there's still, there's still comments and things like that, that can happen. But again, um, I look at opportunities and not obstacles, but they are there and there, I see them with people around me. So we have to recognize this is women's history month and I'm proud and excited to, to see women being recognized and honored and celebrations happening. And I just hope it doesn't stop here for the month of March, like black history month, shouldn't stop at February. It should continue yes. on throughout oh, yeah, the year. Yeah. <laughs> right. So <laughs> let's not stop everybody. No, let's keep forging ahead. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. I'm, and it's, it's, 
it's been great being able to sit down and, and speak to you and actually have you on the show is uh, I love the fact that I get to do this and I get to speak to people and, and, and learn in the process. And so thank you so much for being on the show. I greatly appreciate it. But now is the part of the show where uh, you get the solo screen and you get to plug away. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to take the screen. Thank you so much. You know, if, if you enjoy what you've heard here today, or if you, need to some of the services that I described, please reach out to me. I'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn, Tiana Sanchez, or you can visit my website, tianasanchez.com. We actually have a propeller 360 assessment for you and your organization. You can fill it out. It's free. You get results. It's our scorecard for you. It's like a free, free scorecard. Um, you can also email me at tiana at tianasanchez.com. You can find my books on the website. I'd love to connect with you. All right. Um, uh don't leave just yet. Um, uh, we're going to chat a little bit off the air, but uh, I'm, let me close out the show. But uh, again, I appreciate you being on the show. This has been great. Uh, I love having wonderful conversations like this. This is this is why I do it, to be able to, to speak to people like you. And and hopefully people out there learn something or people got inspired from what we're doing here. And that's why, again, that's why I do my podcast is to, if I help one person do it, reach a goal or, or inspire them to do something, then I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. So thank you so much. But, uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's been my pleasure. It's definitely been my pleasure, but I uh, don't leave just yet. Okay. Bye. All Bye. right, everybody. Um, it's time for shout outs now. Uh, big shout out to everybody in the chat, man. Uh, Ryan McCarthy, Lloyd Phillips, uh, I'll buy me. I know that's you Facebook user. Cause I, I, I saw it on Facebook. Uh, big shout out to the BS3 network, which we air on uh, Monday, Tuesdays, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time. You can download it on uh, Roku uh, from the Roku channels. Um, big shout out to my real wise fam, Poppy J, Brandy J. Love you guys. Big shout out to the boss lady, Fina. Appreciate you, baby. Big shout out to Tiana Sanchez for coming through and, and uh, having a wonderful conversation. And as always, a Big, big shout out to all the essential workers out there. God bless y'all. Be safe. You know your boy Wise does it. Peace out.